everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project. I am your co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my amazing co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. Hello, everyone. And I wanted to open up with announcements before we get into our incredible interview today. First of all, we have a phone number. So if you have not saved it yet, please do so. The number is 415-484-8329 or TIFA, T-F-A-W. So once again, that's 415-484-8329 or TIFA, T-F-A-W. And if at any moment you are listening to this episode and something touches you or there's something that resonates with you and you want to let us know, feel free to text us or even leave us a voice message. And if you leave us a voice message, there's a chance that we might play your voice message in the next episode. We'll see. Who knows? I mean, you could disclose if you don't want to share the voice message, but I'm just saying it's, that's always fun <laughs> when we get to play like listener voice messages, just like how we wrapped up season two or season one of, yeah, the last season. So just, that was fun. That was fun to do that. We only had like five voice messages in the last season, but that's only because we didn't really advertise <laughs> that people could leave a voice messages. So anyway, that's our phone number. I'll say it one more time, 415-484-8329. Also, Nani and I are setting healthy boundaries on social media. We are not on there all the time. And so when you message us or when you tag us in things, especially in stories, we may not always catch it because we like to take social media breaks. And so to stay up to date with us, you know, to get the latest news and to be in community with us nowadays, we encourage you to be a part of our free newsletter community, which you can sign up for in the show notes of this episode or our website at tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W as in the Filipino American womanproject.com. Nani, do you have any notes about setting healthy social media boundaries? Because I, I know we talked about this a little extensively and why, you know, we're not really as active as we used to be. Yeah. Well, first of all, like we've said a million times now, we're trying to kind of transfer our community or at least our community engagement over to our newsletter. So that's where we'll be making our announcements and connections and promoting like affiliate content and things like that. But on top of that, I think right now in general, like especially in quarantine with social media being kind of one of the not only ways, but one of the more popular ways to get your news and stay kind of plugged in with what's going on. It can be just really overbearing and overwhelming. And so it's always really important to take time out to yourself. And as we, you know, have to continue to be in quarantine, you have to kind of find a balance for yourself. And so I'm kind of slowly starting to get back on there more and more every couple of days, but I don't plan on being on there like I used to, you know, 24 seven. And so again, we'll be anything kind of important that we have to tell you guys, we'll be announcing through the newsletter. So you do want to make sure that you sign up for that if you haven't already. And that's where we'll be talking to you guys mostly. But yeah, we'll still be on Instagram and Twitter and all of our other socials. And we'll be popping up on some other platforms in the coming months as well. So stay tuned for that. Again, yes. we'll be announcing that in the newsletter. But yeah, I think it's just important to, again, find that balance of, you know, staying plugged in with what's going on outside and also maintaining some sense of normalcy in your life. So that is the example that we're trying to set for you guys. That was beautifully said as always, Nani. Thank you for elaborating on that for me. And I hope that it encourages our listeners to subscribe to the newsletter. 
Yeah. And also, you know, by the time these shows come out, because nowadays when we record live, it usually takes maybe about a month before the episode gets out. And so sometimes the updates we give in these episodes may be outdated, which is why we really encourage uh, you all to join us on the newsletter. Speaking of newsletter, <laughs> I wanted to share something with you, Nani. And since this is Ooh. an audio recording, no one's going to see this. But our newsletter, which is also our sponsor, one of our, our sponsors, Raza, mailed me a mug. <laughs> so oh my out. God, how cool. Yeah. I want so a it's mug. a Yeti mug. <laughs> I, know. I, I actually got two of them and I wish I could mail one to you. Oh. Uh, so my husband is using the other one. He has the black one, but I wanted white because, you know, I'm wearing a white shirt today. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've just been, they're a fairly new company. And so I've been very diligent about giving my feedback uh, quite often. And I think they've just really appreciated that so, so much so far that they've decided to, (laughs) you know, mail us a a mug. And so they actually gave us a mug and also dark roast coffee from Louisiana, which is where they're based. So it's awesome. A little bit about Raza. The reason why we like using it is because if you are a content creator and you are, let's say, If you're trying to find an easier way to have your newsletter curate content instead of copying and pasting stuff all the time from, let's say, from your blog, every time you have a new blog post or every time you have like your RSS feeds get updated, whether it's your podcast or your blog or your website, Raza just pulls from those RSS feeds and populates the newsletter for you. So you automatically have content in your newsletter. So that's part of why I like it because as our community grows, we're going to be curating content from our guests. And so if that's something you're looking to do, like if you're building a community and you want to, you know, curate content from your listeners or the people you collaborate with, Raza has a really easy way of doing that. So Raza, thank you for the mug. Our listeners cannot see it, but I have a very fancy Yeti mug in my coffee. I think I've had this coffee for like three hours now and it's still warm. Nice. (laughs) So there's that. And if you guys want to learn more about Raza, our sponsor, check out the show notes or of course, visit our website, tfawproject.com. Last but not least, I wanted to share that Tifa Project is now on Podchaser, which if you're hearing that for the first time, that's kind of like the Yelp of podcast shows. And so if you've enjoyed our show so far, in addition to Apple Podcasts, if you haven't left a review yet, we would love for you to give us a review, ideally a five-star written review of why you love the show and how it's resonated with you. Like usually whatever you text us or email us, put that in a review and we would greatly appreciate that. It helps us get exposure and get people to learn more about us and everything. And again, you can learn more about how you can leave a review in our show notes or on our website, tfawproject.com. Okay. That's all the announcements. I'm done. I'm done, Nani. I'm ready to get on with the show. Yay. (laughs) Okay. All right. And so as I mentioned, every time we do a show, it means that we get to interview another incredible person in our community. And so I want to go ahead and introduce you all to Katet Janetta. Katet is a mom, an artist and weaver, museum director, and founder of Nara Studio. Katet, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I feel like I should call you Ate Katet because then it kind of rolls with the tongue. It does, <laughs> it does. You can, and you can if you okay. want to. Okay, Ate Katet, it's perfect. I'm just, it just rolls with the tongue like so much easier for me. <laughs> I don't even know if you're older than me or not. Like, I really don't know, but you're a mom. Probably. So <laughs> yeah, I probably but am. Yeah, but you're a mom, and so I usually assume all moms are older than me. <laughs> okay. So, Katet, why don't you share, how did you hear about the Filipino American Woman Project? And more importantly, when we reached out, what compelled you to join us and share your story? So, I saw you guys on Instagram, and I really enjoyed seeing, learning more about Filipino American women 
like I live in New York City and there are Filipinos here, but it's not often you get to really hear their stories, you know, learn the lessons that they've learned. Mm -hmm. So seeing this project was really interesting to me and thank you for inviting me. I feel, <laughs> I almost feel like I belong. It's like, why am I here? <laughs> oh my gosh, don't say that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love that. My sister lives in New York City. I mean, I obviously not all Filipinos know each other, but she lives there. And, and I got to know a couple of people there who produce Ray's Panay. Over oh there. yeah, we sponsored them this year. So oh, we were it. one of the sponsors. So oh, I'm happy that. to have done that. And be involved with them too. Well, I find it interesting that you feel like you don't belong here. So we're going to ask you a million questions. And yes. hopefully by the end of this interview, you will feel yeah. like you belong here. <laughs> and I could tell you like my experience is why too. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump into that then. Sure. So, so for this show, we're continuously expanding on how we define Filipino American women. But in the meantime, we identify them as individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female or pronouns she, her. We also welcome the non-binary narrative as well. And so, Katet, can you share a little bit about your family background and probably what you're sort of hinting at right now? <laughs> and share why you identify as a Filipino-American woman. Well, you know, I feel very close to my Filipino heritage. Both my parents are Filipino. I'm speaking Tagalog, even if I was born in New York. And I was fortunate enough to visit the Philippines every summer. So I spent a really good deal of my childhood there throughout my teens. In a lot of ways, I call the Philippines home, in a sense. So I feel, you know, really... Um, attached to the the Filipino side, even more so than the American side, despite uh, me growing up here and being a U.S. citizen. So yeah, I, you know, I strongly identify as a uh, Filipino-American, you know, whether it's, that's notable enough <laughs> to be on the podcast, I don't know. But you'll, you know, you can ask me anything. Yeah, I am curious because you sort of hinted that you feel like you don't belong here or on the show. And I'm yes. curious, where does that come from for you? I think to be asked to be a guest means you did something notable, right? Mm. Or there's something that like sticks out about you or you did something that merits your individual story being told. And I have always had a really difficult time sharing my own story. Mm. So like even on like Instagram where we have Nara Studio, I'm like pulling my hair when I have to talk about myself. And I just have always struggled in that sense. I am super enthusiastic when it comes to talking about other people, other weavers, other artisans, and I can go on forever. But it's just something I always um, struggled with talking about myself and sharing stories about myself. I think as I've gotten older, I have become more comfortable with that. But it's definitely something that's really ingrained in me and since I was young I don't know if it's like a personality quirk or whatever but you know this is how I am I'm naturally super introverted yeah and you know it's not even that I want to like come out of a shell or anything but just you know navigating and teaching more about my story when what's natural to me is to not mm. I'm not sure what episode it was Jen, but when we interviewed Nicole, Nicole Cruz, mm. and she talked about how kind of a running theme that she's seen and that I, you know, ever since we had that conversation with her, I also pick up on as well as Filipina American women, 
I find that as a really common reoccurring theme that we have such a hard time taking center stage of our own lives. And like, we're so uncomfortable being in the spotlight because we don't feel like we deserve that. Or like you said, we don't feel like we've done anything notable to be there. But, you know, even before we get into this conversation, I want you to know that you have done notable things. I mean, you are the founder of Nara Studio, which is an amazing cultural goods kind of resource. And that is so needed in our community because there's not a lot of resources like that out there. And for you to be a weaver, that's also such an interesting thing too, since you live here in America, it's not like you're in the Philippines, you know, weaving goods, Mm. you're doing it here. And that's also not something that's common at all. So those two things alone are extremely notable and we haven't even gotten into, you know, your personal story yet. So I want you to try to get a little more comfortable with the idea that you most definitely belong here. Well, thank you. You know, like, honestly, if I didn't have my kids, like, I think I would have been like, super stuck about just keeping my private self, like just private, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, for me as a mom, and you have opportunities to like teach them or be an example to them. Mm. That's how I sort of grew into a person that is more willing to share. And, you know, and that comes with a lot of vulnerability, but more willing to share and speak out because that's something I want to teach my kids by example. Like if I didn't have them, then I think I would just be like totally fine. Like, you know, like, not speaking up or using my voice. Yeah. But, you know, once you, like for me, the experience of having kids really, really like deeply changed my perspective on so many things. Yeah. That's, I think, another running theme that we've seen on our show, at least with the moms that we've interviewed is Mm -hmm. as soon as you become a mom, it becomes so much more like important and significant for you to connect with your own identity so that Mm -hmm. you can try and pass that down and, you know, whatever those traditions and things that you grew up kind of ingrained in you, of course, you want to pass that down, you know, your legacy onto your kids. So even if it's uncomfortable for you, we applaud you for trying. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, I just have to say you've been doing a fantastic job so far. (laughs) I find you very interesting already. I don't think I have found anyone on our show yet that's not interesting. I feel like at least Nani and I do enough prying where we find that very unique thing from our guests. So, you know, thank you for, despite you feeling like you shouldn't be here, you're here anyway. And we really just, I'm just going to kind of press on that and keep emphasizing that you're meant to be here. (laughs) Thank you. So, Yeah. Well, why don't we jump into life today? We sort of alluded a little bit to what you're up to with the Naro studio, as well as you as a weaver and your life in New York City, and also you're a mother. Why don't you just share, first of all, what keeps you excited or busy about life nowadays? One of the things that I am really excited about, especially with Naro studio, is that I get to learn from weavers and artisans in the Philippines. Mm. And that's kind of like what I get out of it. You know, what I get out of making Nara Studio. So like you mentioned, I'm an artist and a weaver. And one of the reasons I started weaving was because I wanted to better understand these handwoven cloths that are made in the Philippines. So I'll give you an example. Like there's this cloth in the back, like that's covering my stuff. (laughs) And that's probably like four five yards long. 
And if you count like how many times like you have to pass that shuttle back and forth to make this cloth, it's at least in the 10,000s. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of physical dedication, the time commitment of weaving, I was really inspired by. And one of my primary reasons for starting NARA was that I know how much goes into weaving. I know how much goes into hand making your own clothes. And I wanted to reach out to them and see how I could help them. And in my conversations with weavers there, you know, like one of the things they asked me was like, can I sell their work here? And that's really how NARA started. When I started selling the weaving of Weaver in Kalinga, her name is Elvira. And we were just talking on Facebook. And, you know, she asked me to do this. And it's something like I didn't take lightly, you know. Mm-hmm. And I still don't take it lightly because I feel like the work of these people's hands, like to me, like I treat them as sacred. You know, I know how much time and, you know, life is spent making these things. So, you know, for me, it's a big honor to be able to carry their work here. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, but primarily my real drive is to help artisans there. You know, Mm -hmm. it also helps so many Filipino Americans here, I know because a lot of Filipino Americans um, want to connect to their identity. And, you know, the avenues are not that many. I think nowadays because, because internet, you know, when I was a kid, like, there was not. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, How would you find these kinds of resources if it weren't for social media? Yeah, exactly. You know, if you were lucky enough to take a trip to the Philippines every now and then, like, you know, a lot of my friends didn't have that experience. A lot of my friends had the experience where as soon as they got to the U.S., forget about speaking Tagalog, you know, forget a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I think there's this whole process of trying to recover and heal and reconnect to where we come from. You know, that is kind of like, a, you know, it is a spiritual journey for a lot of people. So, you know, with our studio, like, it's hard because, you know, it's like there's a commerce side involved. But, you know, at the heart, it is really trying to show, like, so much care and concern for the artisans who make these pieces and at the same time help Filipino Americans, Filipinos everywhere, actually, to connect to their heritage. Yeah, you're so right about, you know, whether whatever the circumstance was that your family came here under part of assimilating into American culture for Filipinos means the erasure or forgetting of Filipino culture. And like you said, also, there's not a lot of ways to plug back into that outside of social media or food or, you know, what you get, whatever Mm -hmm. is passed down to you through your own family. And so I think that when people find resources, at least people who are kind of on this search for identity or going through an identity crisis or whatever their reason is for wanting to connect back back with their roots, I think finding a resource like Nara Studio is so impactful and so significant because it's something tangible that can help you connect, mm-hmm. you know, and especially with you having caring work made by people in the Philippines, I think that that is also a great opportunity for people to connect with their roots who aren't able to travel there, you know, ever or if as often. A lot of people ask me to, you know, can you find something from my hometown? You know, can you Mm, find something from where I live? 
or can you find something from, you know, like wherever in the Philippines and, you know, yeah. like, you know, as much as NARA studio, like is technically a business, I really feel like it's a service mm. because a lot of the work that we do is helping people like directly connect to where they come from. And for me, it's an honor, you know, I really like that part of the business. I really like to be in service in that way. And I think that in itself, like over the past year, Nara is only, is not yet one year old, but having those experiences, like I'm really grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious because, you know, you're the first uh, a Filipina who I've met that does weaving. I mean, at least like actually ever. Yeah. I literally don't mm-hmm. like you are literally the first person I know I'm meeting for the first time. <laughs> and so for people that don't know about weaving, let's say in connection to the Philippines, mm-hmm. what is the first thing they should know about it that you would like to tell them? First, I would say to recognize that there are so many different kinds of weaving. So there is not just like Filipino weaving, you know, from every region of the Philippines, there's a different they bring different symbols. They they bring different techniques. So I would say try to do your research about the textile that, you know, you are drawn to or know its background, know if there's any protocols around those textiles. And I guess like, you know, like do your research. And for me, I don't want to tell people what to do, but I kind of feel like be also respectful mm. of the textiles that you would like to include in your life. Well, include in your lives. Also, like for me, weaving has been super healing. So the practice itself is really meditative and very grounding. So I suggest to like a lot of people to learn to weave. There is a Filipino-American weaving teacher here in New York. She owned Weaving Hand Studio. And... You know, I didn't know about her when I started weaving, but you know, anyone who wants to weave, there is a Filipino weaving teacher. I, I know there's another one in California. I think her name is Jenny Bauer or Jenny Bauer Young. So there are weaving teachers out there. And I know when I started to learn to weave, I felt like it was really like a very healing experience. And I'm literally obsessed with it. So (laughs) that's how this all started. (laughs) I'm curious, who taught you? Was that something that you saw and you initiated with someone who knew that could teach you? Or did you teach yourself? Like, where did your desire to start weaving come from or learn to weave come from? Well, first, I would say my desire started when I you know, was going back and forth to the Philippines and seeing these textiles. You know, I started uh, as a painter, you know, I was a fine artist. And like, I was like an exhibiting artist for a long, not a long time, you know, like since my college days. And what happened was that when I had my second child, my son, I could not tolerate the smell of paint anymore. Oh, wow. So I needed like a new creative outlet. And one of the things was that I had always seen was these textiles of the Philippines. And to me, like, they had just such strong patterns on them. And they held so much meaning that I wanted to learn more. And it wasn't really to, like, seek out to replicate them, but to really come from a place of understanding the practice of it. I'm sure so many of our ancestors were weavers, you know. Yeah. 
it's like a life skill, like spinning cotton. Yeah, well, in the Philippines, Weaving, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's so much more common. You know, so many more things are made out of like woven materials than what you see or are available here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know really anything about weaving either, but I've seen a few YouTube videos. One from Kalinga. There's like a famous weaving place in Kalinga, right? Yeah, Mabilong. Okay. They're so I'm- like weave- weaving village. Yeah, yeah. I think I've watched a couple of YouTube videos on that, but it seems like it's a really sacred tradition over there. And I love that you're trying to kind of translate that into our hyphenated American culture over Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, my weaving experience is very hyphenated as well, because I learned, I would say the American style of weaving, because I learned from a teacher, but it was online. Mm -hmm. I also learned from you know, various books, Facebook groups, like whatever resource I could find is what I use to learn. And, you know, it's not easy. It's not, I don't think weaving is something that's easy to do on your own too, because in a lot of communities, they require like, it's a whole like, you know, there's so many parts to it that it requires a community. And I would love to see some communities, Filipino-American communities pop up to do like weaving together, stuff like that. Yeah, maybe Putting after it out there. Corona dies down, yeah. you could host something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I became like sort of like, like literally obsessed with it. But you know, that's, uh, since you guys are asking me about like myself, that is like something that is a really strong trait about me. Mm. I am like highly, like if I'm into something, like I'm, I'm highly obsessive yeah, for good same. and bad. <laughs> so that's also one of my like lo- life struggles, like whether I'm, how deep I go into that hole. <laughs> of, of being <laughs> the rabbit like, hole. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's for real. So yeah, so far I, I'm really enjoying the whole process. And it's, it's, um, you know, learning in a community that I love. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, where did the name Nara come from for Nara Studio? So Nara or Nara is the national tree of the Philippines. Oh. So that's where the name comes from. Wow. Yeah. And if you see, where is it? We use the, it's not our like logo logo, but like our, what is it? The favicon of our website is uh, like avatar. Yeah. It's the Kalinga symbol of an eagle, but it also looks like the Baibayin Na. So yeah, fun fact. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I asked. I was like, I definitely want to know what that stands for. Cause it sounds like you really put a lot of thought and heart into starting this and you know you saw it as an honor to contribute and so I can only imagine that the name Nada was really uh, well thought out so thank you for elaborating on mm-hmm. that and I just want to you know take a minute here and just let you know how much I admire you know like what you do and also think it's awesome that you go to the Philippines every summer you know to connect back to the motherland and I mean the last time I went was like <laughs> I don't remember. I think it was like 2013 or something. It was like, it was definitely probably over a decade ago now. And I always have an admiration for, you know, Filipino Americans who go back and go back frequently because I'm sure that just makes you more grounded and humbled, you know, to be Mm -hmm. a Filipino in America. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 
like it's hard not to see it like as a privilege but it's also like you know it's not easy like now that we're a family of four it's totally not easy yeah. <laughs> um but you know like to get real like a lot of the reasons i have been there lately is because of funerals oh, um I'm sorry yeah so like you know part of it is you know being connected to my family and part of that is that seeing that whole the cycle of you know people my age getting older having kids and other people moving on so you know going back to the philippines is often kind of you know filled with like happiness and excitement but also there's that aspect of there's a lot of people i am leaving behind a lot of yeah. you know family that i leave there So I think that's one of the reasons too why I really so strongly associate it as home, you know, because especially when your family's there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Well, Gita, uh, I feel like you've shared so much with us for someone who is an introvert and likes to kind of keep to herself and kind yeah. of hold her story precious. So I'm going to like let you off the hook and, and not pry so much anymore. But Nadia, I wanted to see if you had any comments or questions for Gita. No, not at this time. I have only been to the Philippines once. I just went for the first time at the beginning of this year, right when coronavirus broke out. Oh, same. <laughs> so that was interesting. You know, that kind of not swayed my experience because it wasn't, it was before everybody was like on lockdown and have to wear masks and all that stuff. But there was something about it and I didn't really get to do much many of the things that I intended to do there on my first trip. So I was already ready to go back again because I did feel that sense of like home and like, dang, I really do want to make this a regular practice of like coming back here on a, at least once a year. But obviously that's probably not going to happen for another <laughs> year or two. So got to put those plans on hold. But I, I do know what you mean about, you know, just feeling that sense of home there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, as for me, like as soon as I step off the plane and I feel that heat and humidity, it's like my body knows, like this yeah. is where you really come from. You know, yeah. it like literally knows, like this is, yep, this is it. Yeah, it's like welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just en- envelops you, mm-hmm. <laughs> just that heat, that heavy, humid mm-hmm. heat. Yeah, I will never forget that. That's how it feels like right here in Virginia Beach right now. It's just, oh, I mean, it, yeah. I feel like the le- the weather's lightening up. It's it's getting, it was pretty warm. I was, it was a little cooler this morning. It was like 75 degrees, but oh my gosh, these last couple of days have been like 80s, 90s. I'm like, I'm like, and our dog wants to go outside. I'm just like, right now? Like, you want to go outside like, right now? I love that we complain about like 80 degree weather, 90 degree weather. When you go over there, it's like definitely in the hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then there's mosquitoes and, you know, just all the... And the mosquitoes. Everything. Yes. Just wonderful. <laughs> just wonderful. <laughs> it's like you think that as someone of Filipino descent, I wouldn't be affected by or allergic to mosquitoes, but I am. Like when they bite me, I swell up and it's it's the worst thing ever. My sister gets it worse than I, unfortunately. So she always has to take like Benadryl like immediately, it you know, to stop the swelling. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about mosquitoes anymore. <laughs> that thank you so much for sharing, uh, just giving us a little snapshot into your life. We didn't even mention that you're a museum director. Oh um, my gosh, yeah. I thought, we'd, I thought we'd touch on that just for a little bit before we yeah. get to our final question. What's that like? <laughs> and, and what's oh, that like man. right now, given 
you know, given the pandemic. Oh, okay. I can go on about this because <laughs> my schedule right now is crazy. All right. Uh-huh. So I work full time. I have two kids. I'm a grad student. Mm. And then I run a business. So, you know, like it's a lot and it's sometimes really draining. This week was particularly draining. Some weeks it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But so what I do is, you know, I work during the day, regular a day job, and I'm a director of design and publications at a museum in New York City. And ever since I had kids, they let me work from home. Wow. So this place, I started working there after college. I was a book filer and they told me, you will not be here for for more than three months because it was a summer internship. So I can go like totally in a different direction with this. But, you know, like I was an art student. I was a philosophy and art major. And if you out there, you know, want to go into the arts, like do it. You know, I so thoroughly enjoy my job, all my jobs, but it has been so fulfilling and rewarding being an artist, being at a job that is fulfilling. And I think it's because like I was super stubborn about what I wanted to do with my life. (laughs) Love it. That's fantastic. I love that too. I feel like we have so many people we've interviewed on our show who have decided to venture in the unpaved path of a non-traditional type job that most of our family would probably want of us, whether it's working in the medical field or joining mm-hmm. the military or engineering field or what have you. And I, I think it's so wonderful, like what you're doing, not just with NARA Studio, but you know, even climbing up the ladder, it sounds like at this mm-hmm. museum that you've worked at for a long time now. From 14 years. Like, for 14 years now. That is yeah. crazy. Uh-huh. Wow. Kudos to you. <laughs> I, I still like, love oh, yeah. it too. You know, I still love it, which is a Amazing, I think. Yeah, that's really rare for anyone yeah. to be anywhere for 14 years and <laughs> yeah. still love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That's fantastic. Well, Katea, thank you so much. Once again, I can't thank you enough because I know when we first started this conversation, it was like, what am I doing here? I don't know why I'm on this show. But I hope by now you, you feel comfortable with us <laughs> and <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> and so, so I want to get into the final question. And that is really kind of the heart of our show. We like to share life lessons and stories that led us to that life lesson. Because I find that even though it could speak to Filipino American women, a lot of life lessons we share are very universal. So um, I know that you had one lesson you wanted to share, Mm -hmm. but I think you may have changed it at this point. Yes. So why don't you share a life lesson with us and as well as a story in your life that led you to that life lesson? So I had been thinking that what I wanted to talk about was as a life lesson was creating the thing you want to see in the world, which I feel like is what I hope to do with NARA Studio because I didn't see anything like it, and I just decided, you know, if I don't see it, someone has to make it, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's what I did. But, you know, the bigger lesson I have, and, you know, this is, like, really key for me, is that, you know, like, time is so short. Mm. When I was younger, my dad died when I was a teenager, and it has, yeah, so, you know, he um, he was sick for about two years. He had cancer. And I was 14, 15, and 16 during that time. And it has really, like, to my core, changed my viewpoint and perspective on everything. You know, 
it is that we might, you know, it's to what your belief system is, but this is our time, you know, like we have to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times the decisions that I make are, you know, is this use of my time, like my short time here, of my short time as in my 30s, is this useful? Is it of service? You know, is it good for the world? So a lot of my decisions are based off of that in the background, that lesson that I learned when I was a teenager, that you really have to use your time in a way that's worthwhile, you know, and that's something I want to like impart to my kids. But, you know, if you are spending your time doing something, you know, that's worthwhile. And I think I, I hope, you know, helpful to other people, like, you know, it's so gratifying. And that's how I hope to continue to base all my decisions off of that. That's how I'm stubborn. I will only do things that I want to do, you mm-hmm. know, because I know like this is, you know, this is it. You know, this yeah. is this is like the time that I have. And I really am so careful about what I say yes to, what I say mm-hmm. no to, what I invite into my life, what I also resist in my life. Um, so, yeah, that's my lesson for anyone, everyone, my kids, everyone. Yeah. yeah. I love that you had such a positive kind of takeaway from that really traumatic experience. I can't imagine mm-hmm. uh, what that was like for you to go through, you know, watching your dad kind of die of cancer over the course of two years. I know that that can be really paralyzing for a lot of people, especially at that age when you don't know how to deal with something of yes. that kind of magnitude. But mm-hmm. it sounds like you use that to really like solidify what your values are and that you really use those as like your compass to be really intentional with your time and your decisions and, you know, putting up boundaries and just kind of staying focused and on your path. And I love that, you know, the way that you put, you've been stubborn with your life because look, 14 years later, it's still paying off and it's still, you know, proving to be fruitful for you. So I hope that your kids do kind of take that from you and replicate that in their own lives as they get older and start to make their own decisions. Yeah. Everything that Nani said, I second, I second all of that. And I really like how you said with conviction that this is our time because it is. And I think given current events, given the pandemic, there are still some people that are saying, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to wait till things get back to normal. You know, and I'm sure that's maybe a survival mechanism for them. Maybe that's their way of coping with the reality of what's going on right now. But for people that are choosing to live today and do something about today and even contributing to the problems of today, you know, it's very admirable. And so I appreciate you saying that. And it kind of reminds me of how I think for myself, if ever I feel regretful for things in the past, like maybe I I felt like I could have done more or whatever. I always like to tell myself that, you know, I did the best with what I could with the time that I had and the resources Mm -hmm. that I had, like, that's it. And that's all I can do. And I can just be happy with that. And that's how I feel in this very moment is like, I feel like I'm doing the best that I can, you know, with the resources that I have, you know, with the knowledge that I have and everything. So with that said, thank you for saying yes to us. (laughs) (laughs) for being on our show. That wasn't so bad. (laughs) 
for people that want to see more of your artistry and weaving and Nara Studio, how can they find you online? So Nara Studio's website is just Nara, N-A-R-R-A, Studio, singular, dot com. And we're also on Instagram at Nara Studio. And then for my personal stuff, it's katajaneta.com. I have not updated my artwork in probably a year. So, well, that's not true. <laughs> You'll see that my personal Instagram also at katajaneta does not get a lot of attention because I, you know, I'm, it's, there's a lot already with Nara. So, yeah, but feel yeah. free to reach out to me. I am probably too available <laughs> Um, I would say, you know how you were talking about like healthy boundaries, like I really need to be better about that, you know, so I'm going to work on that and keep that in mind for the future. Oh, good. I'm glad that we brought up something in the beginning that inspired you. It's (laughs) for real been on my mind. Like I need to like, this is not like, I don't know. Hold on. I can get overwhelming. Yeah, I could digress. But you know, like. A lot of people have expectations about contact with you, you know. Yeah, um, especially when you're running a business mm-hmm. online, of there's, course. There's know. like an expectation that you should be either available at all times and also kind of be so, you know, like upfront. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I really struggle with that because like me, like if you talk to me on Instagram, like I try to find out who you are. Like, what's your name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello. How are you? <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. then there's like, there's also a sense like people just want what they want from you. Mm-hmm. And I really have to be better about differentiating that <laughs> and yeah. not, not being like, okay, I'll answer you. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's tricky because, you know, anytime I spend time on Nara, it's time away from my kids, mm-hmm. you know? So it's been, I think that's probably the biggest challenge about being a mom and owning something like Nara with, you know, with the whole time constraints and day job stuff. It's that like, I am super aware that it's time I'm spending away from my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I think when I first started managing our Instagram account for the podcast, I also kind of made that, I'm not going to say mistake, but just the way that I approached it was like, everyone who DM'd us, I wanted to sit down and have like this yes. deep, long, extensive mm-hmm. conversation. I would go to their page and find out what their name was and, you know, right, right. invest in them. And I still would love to do that. But as I start to unplug and remember that my attention is needed elsewhere in the world other than online, mm-hmm. I realize how how valuable that time that I spend on social media really is and how much more intentional I should be with it because, you know, I'm just one person. So I literally can't sit here and respond, you know, with a novel or a paragraph to everybody who DMs us anymore. And that's another reason to sign up for the newsletter because we can, (laughs) you know, that's a space where we can do that, but, um, or where it's more realistic for us in terms of like, time consumption and things like that. And I know you're just one person running your online business. So I feel you on that. (laughs) I was just thinking the other day, 
at least in regards to the Filipino American woman Instagram account, uh, I totally get what you mean by the whole like sending long narratives and paragraphs and stuff like that. So lately I've been wearing eyeliner more than I want to, but because everyone wants to do video, it's like, okay, fine. I'll like, I'll put on makeup. And, and, you know, at least with our Instagram account lately, I've been responding to people via video because <laughs> I don't want to like such a great idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause like, I mean, one, it's out of laziness. So I apologize, but two, it's more personal, right? It's like, yeah, you know, we're real, like we exist, you know, this is my face in case all you do is hear (laughs) me on a podcast. And I just want to say thank you for listening. (laughs) And I find that to be easier. And I tend to, I know with my girlfriends, sometimes we'll just send each other long audio messages because we just don't want to type anymore. But going back to setting like healthy boundaries, you know, like Nani and I are really close at this point. And even for us, we schedule time you know, to bond and to catch up and stuff. And so, and I think one of my other girlfriends, oh, geez, I just remember I was supposed to catch up with her yesterday, but anyway, she didn't, she didn't follow up with me. No one knows who I'm talking about, (laughs) but anyway, she, I had a friend that I was going to catch up with and I told her like, okay, let's catch up like two weeks from now. Are you free two weeks from now? And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't just pick up the phone tonight. It's just that like, I really have a jam packed, you know, two weeks, but you know, Saturday evening, I'm available, you know, and I think it's okay to say that, you know, if anything, it makes people value. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes people value your time that much more. Like, I mean, even with our show, how people have to schedule in advance, we've rarely had people cancel last minute. I mean, we had like one or two, but like for the most part, everyone has been punctual and on time and everything. And if anything, they like over-prepare now. And then I feel like I have to be (laughs) a little little more prepared for the show. But no, it's, I think healthy boundaries are really important, not just on social media, but you know, I think even now it's especially important because there's so many, like now that so many people are working from home and, you know, maybe you're seeing your spouse more than you're comfortable with or your kids more than you're used to, you know, it's like learning how to set those mental boundaries and verbalizing it as opposed to using like a job or something else as a crutch to say, hey, I'm not free (laughs) right now. Mm -hmm. But even though you're home, it doesn't mean that you're always available. You could be mentally, you know, focused on something else or you just want to take a break. Like you just don't want to talk to anyone, you know, and I totally get that as an introvert. Like I just, you know, even when I catch up with my friends late at night, like on the phone, I'll still take an hour like after that before I go to sleep just to like recharge and, yeah. and recharge. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been an it's been an absolute pleasure having you today. Thank you again so much for your time. Nani, thank you for co-hosting with me as always. Of course, my pleasure. And to our listeners, if you did not catch Kate's contact information. You can grab all of that on our website at tfaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W project.com or the show notes of this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.